You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We are joined by Pete Sampson of, of The Athletic. It's Monday, June 20th. I'm uh, in Omaha as Notre Dame fell to Oklahoma Sunday night, six to two. And uh, before we get to that, let's talk about Notre Dame's wide receiver recruiting. Kevin Sinclair of Irish Illustrated uh, wrote a piece about it's, uh, you know, it's, it's crunch time now for the Notre Dame wide receiving receiver recruiting. And um, things are looking up for Notre Dame's wide receiver recruiting at this moment. I mean, they have to, right? I mean, this is it. it I, you know, I sort of go back and forth. I like how I sort of perceive where they're going with recruiting. Let's say they get Flores and they get great house and they get Hannafin to go with um, Braylon James. Like it's a great class. Yeah. Um, also, it's like kind of the bare minimum right, that you needed. Um, you know, in a yeah, lot of ways. If you want to get a fifth, fifth if you want to get a, if you want to get a fifth one, go ahead. Yeah. So it's um, it's sort of threading the needle of like you did a. If you close that way, it will be a great class. It's the bare minimum what you needed, and the fact that you were able to get a great class without it, including Carnell Tate, which is probably not something we would have said uh, a year ago, is even a possibility. Figure that's that's probably worth mentioning as well. I think the the salient point is you're like it's a great class and they needed it. They absolutely needed this class. I forgot. I think briefly because we focused so much on not getting a transfer portal wide receiver for this year. If you look at Notre Dame's recruiting class, every time they'd sign a new prospect and like wait, they still only have one wide receiver. They didn't add another one, and you could. Right. Of course, you should know that. But I, I, it seems like we're glossing over it. They need it. When you say five. I wouldn't be surprised if they take five. I do think in the transfer portal world, you could take four with an eye on a transfer for next year, just because that right. player could help you sooner, perhaps. Hey, and we don't know. I mean, we don't know absolutely for sure that Hannafin ends up at, well, we, we're pretty confident he ends up at Notre Dame, but that he ends up at receiver necessarily. Yeah. Because I know they, I mean, they like some of the things he does on defense and his ceiling may be the highest on, on defense. I don't, I don't know that for sure. He's, a, you know, He's a football player. It reminds yeah. me of, of Preston Zinter, who's not highly ranked, and where's he going to play? I kind of like him a tight end better. They like him on defense. He's a football player. You can see by the way he plays the game on the easy side of the ball that he can be productive. So I'm not sure the Hannafin – Pete, do you have any intel on – I mean, I, it was my I understanding that they don't. liked him on defense first. They they may. Um they just have to have receivers. Um, right. you know, it's kind of like Xavier Watts. Like they, they sort of can't afford to have him at safety, but they do. I don't know if you could do that again with somebody like Hannafin. Yeah, that's true. And I do like him at, at receiver because he's a bigger, he's kind of, you know, tight end-ish with some wide receiver skills and athleticism, but he's just a football player and bring him in and you decide. But again, if they want to get, if they want to get another receiver, I think they should go ahead and do that. And, you know, I'm not, completely sold on Rico Flores, although it seems like his offer list says that, that I should be um, And I don't know why I put it in I terms. It doesn't matter what I think about that, but Jaden uh, great, great houses is, is a really good football player. And it's a huge step in the right direction for Notre Dame um, in wide receiver recruiting, but um, CJ Carr, more talk about the possibility of reclassifying in the 2023 class. It's yeah, I, a need again like, before we, the need, the need situation comes up again. It's if it wasn't necessary, we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. Right. And it's, I mean, he, 
having spent time with the family, like they're going to put themselves in position where if they want to do it, they can do it. Um, but right now the intention was to not do it. Um, and I, this is definitely, you can see the writing on the wall uh, or the message boards. This is a question that's going to be on every podcast from now until the end of until right. it, the clock. And when I say need, though, it, it does not balance out his need because I don't think he wants to get closer to Tyler Buckner in terms of his projected starting date at Notre Dame, right? Um, it falls into the same Dante Moore problem, though. Like, I guess you have, I guess you don't play at all. So you have that redshirt year if you need it later on. Um, but like we said, Dante Moore watching Tyler Buckner for two years, you know, why would Carr sign up to watch Tyler Buckner for two years instead of one? Right. It's in Notre, it's in the Notre, Notre Dame football Dame's. team's yes. quarterback room's best interest <laughs> that, sure. that he reclassifies for 2023. And I think we had a question last week uh, for the podcast. I, I didn't use it, but it was, well, why do they want, why do they want CJ Carr in the 2023 class when Butner is just getting started? And I get that perspective. I understand why somebody would ask that question, but the reason is because you want as much talent <laughs> Yes. in the quarterback room as possible in 2023. And CJ Carr certainly would give that he to could. you. We're getting in the weeds here. I'm getting us in the weeds here, but you could also have a plan with Carr and you would tell his family, like, you know, we want to have him in the room. He can learn everything. He'll be that much better off ready to go. But we're going to try not to play him his first year unless Tyler Buckner is injured. We want to roll with right. preserving a year of eligibility. It's almost like he is doing an internship, <laughs> but you may have to crack that. If, if Tyler Buckner gets hurt and CJ Carr is your best option, you're not going to. Yeah, but play. he may not, he, he, you know, as an early entry guy, and I know he's 2023 class yeah. age, but as an early entry guy, I mean, Drew Pine is probably going to have a, well, he has a better grasp of everything that they're trying to do. Yes. And you don't know whether CJ Carr will be ready uh, what in what essence would be his, his senior year of high school. But, you know, getting back to your original point, Pete, I mean, the, the great thing about this, and it's not definite, but they're certainly trending in the direction of reclassifying, is the great thing is that it doesn't have to be a snap decision. You have time to, to put, to deal with all the logistics of it, you know, for the better part of a year to make it happen. So, um, but it sounds, it's definitely sounds like it's trending in that direction. Uh, I'm here in uh, Omaha, Northern Baseball. Uh, I've been writing about it. You guys have been watching it. Um, tell me what your thoughts are on on what you've seen the Northern winning the first game against Texas in a in a great performance, and then a, you know a subpar performance against a very hot Oklahoma team. They're playing clearly playing their best baseball of the year right now. I felt like I was watching sort of the same game, um, where it's like. Notre Dame played the role of Texas last night um, where just like, they didn't play that well. Uh, you know, it's like Texas had the, I don't know if it was a balk where they, they, yeah, they just gave up a won. run. Right. Um, and then, you know, Notre Dame has the, the pitcher throws wildly down the first baseline. You know, that, that was kind of the big breakout anywhere. I think it went from two zero to five zero. So yeah, just like at that level, you get punished for those kinds of mistakes. Um, also, I, I had no idea how long have the bananas been going on. Like that was, you know, that was I, I, yeah, that's all that's all kind of new to me too. Um, um, <laughs> and I and I haven't. There have been other things to ask. I have not had the opportunity to, the, <laughs> to talk about the apparently the rally bananas, a little potassium for a rally. 
so I don't know a whole lot about that. I haven't definitely done appealing to, to Tate Sampson when he watches the game. It's like, uh, what's what the when are the rally bananas coming out? Did you right? say a, appealing? Is that what you yeah, just I said? did? Oh, God, wow, I just walked <laughs> into that one. <laughs> Shut it down right there, Jack. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> my did my it, thought watching it, I, you made a good point, Pete, is sometimes you have to remove yourself from. I, I had forgotten Notre Dame got a, a run off the balk because I was happy about it. So when you see other things go wrong for the team you're cheering for, like against Tennessee, Notre Dame makes a an out at third, the first out of the inning at third base being aggressive. Oklahoma does the same thing to against Notre Dame. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, oh, what a great play by Notre Dame it was a dumb play by Oklahoma. Don't ever make the first out there. Why are you being that aggressive? You're at second scoring position anyway. But that's why that's how Oklahoma plays. That's how Notre Dame plays. And it rewards yeah. you too, right? I mean, it rewards you as well. It doesn't always. They are total. They are a running team, you know, yep. and actually yep. as far as like home runs per game, Notre Dame's a better home run hitting team than Oklahoma, but they put pressure on you with, with their running game. And, and, you know, in my preview yesterday, and let's be real here. You know, it's a crash course on previewing an opponent. I haven't been watching Oklahoma, <laughs> sure, sure. Texas all year. But when I looked at, at uh, Oklahoma's options on the mound, they weren't very good. Their number two, Sandlin, had come in, I think, just to get like a little bit of work on Thursday. And he couldn't get out of the inning. So, I mean, that was bad. So they ended up going with it with Cade Horton last night. His numbers weren't any better than Sandlin's his ERA was in the mid fives and the batting average against was almost 300, but that dude was a horse out there, man. And he was, he, yeah. his slider was, I kept saying from the press box cutter, but I apparently was the distinction between that and a slider sometimes is, is hard to see from, from that vantage point. And it was really good, uh, you know, and Carter Putts was the only one that got to him. He had four hits of Notre Dame seven, but three of them were infield hits. They didn't hit Notre Dame didn't have solid contact against Horton until the fifth inning, they, they threatened and didn't score. And then Lamana hit the homer in the sixth. but it was a six, two game that felt way worse than that. You know, you just yes. didn't feel like they were going to put anything together. And then eventually Oklahoma brought in their closer, Trevin Michael, who's been really good. He wasn't totally sharp last night, but he didn't have to be because Notre Dame just, they struck out 14 times. Yeah. Oklahoma only struck out five times and had 12 hits. Notre Dame had seven hits, six of them singles, and it just it wasn't enough. So the route now for them is they have to beat Texas A&M on Tuesday to get to Oklahoma on Wednesday, to and you win that to get back to Oklahoma on Thursday. Uh, so they have to win three in a row, no margin for error. Then they would get into the uh, – if they were to pull that off, which is going to be really difficult because it taxes your pitching staff so much. Right, right. I, don't I don't know when John Michael Bertrand gets back in – on the mound probably Thursday if they get to that point. Uh, but cool. it's just, it, it, it's, you know, uh, probably Wednesday, could right? maybe, yeah, probably Wednesday. Yeah. See, he, I mean, they're accustomed to working on every starter is accustomed working on six days rest. You, you're the Friday starter. You go from Friday to Friday. Hey, and so yeah. obviously, yeah, playoff situation or tournament situation, you have to cut that down and that, you know, that, that can be a little bit problematic, but, um, you know, Jarrett and Rostano handled their, their pitching staff so well. Did they show that Finley was warming up in the first inning on TV? They did. Yep, they did. Um, you know, which I thought, again, he's so proactive and, and he's good with a quick hook. And I thought, you know, man, you got to win this game. You got to stay in the winner's bracket. I don't blame you if you bring Finley in, but the situation kind of changed and they went with Terrell, but they just, they weren't good enough. And so um, they got out. Yeah, they got, I mean, they got out of that inning. That wasn't the, there was no error there. Right. I think they, I think they should beat Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M is a really, 
for a college world series team, they're a bad defensive team and Notre Dame's a very good defensive team. And I know those things can change from game to game, but I expect Notre Dame to win Tuesday. And then after that, it's going to be, it's going to be really difficult. You see uh, Carter Carroll's tweet, the former um, blue and gold. I did not. Who's, he's no, I did not. Working uh, with Florida state. Now he's from, he, I think he, gra- he graduated from Texas A&M. Yep. And he's like Texas A&M, Texas college world series. When the loser inevitably says we only care about football anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, yeah. Believe me, there was a lot of emotion in uh, Charles Schwab field yesterday uh, for that game, which, which was the first game of the day coming back segment two, burning up the boards. Irish fans. Listen up. Summer is here and with it, good times and celebration. And what better way to celebrate than with fireworks shipped straight to your door located just 15 minutes from campus. OC Fireworks offers one of the largest online selections of fireworks for all your needs. Graduations, family reunions, gender reveals, sporting events, and of course, Independence Day. Visit OCFireworks.com for shipping details and be sure to use promo code IRISH on checkout for your special gift. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, we call it Burning Up the Boards. We start with a question from CMU Pens fan. Of all the Nordic quarterbacks the past 20 years, which were you the most spot on about as to what they would do at Notre Dame and which one were you way off? All right, let's go with uh, before they got on campus, right? Because my Kaiser opinion changed for the worst when I, worse yes. when I saw him. I, I loved Deshaun Kaiser at the recruit. I actually liked him as a runner. And I remember it was, I was working, it was, I was working for scout and I said, he reminds me of Colin Kaepernick and the way he can run and throw and some had, one of the head scouts told me I was absolutely crazy. He can't do that at all. And then he set the Notre Dame record for rushing touchdowns. So I was pretty proud of myself. But I did not like Kaiser when I saw him his first year. So I think I was on about Kaiser and I was off about um, Brandon Wimbush. I thought Brandon Wimbush would be a much better college passer along with that running ability. I really, I never thought he would struggle to the point of where he looked like at times an option quarterback trying to pass the ball. Yeah. I would say I was most off about Reese because um, I thought he was just like, yeah, yeah, blah. Um, like this, not somebody that was going to play. Like you liked Notre Book Dame. better than Reese, right? When you saw and, oh, and Brendan yeah, Clark. Yeah. And Brendan if, Clark. Yeah. I probably like Brendan Clark better than Reese. Um, I, I'm not, I, I should go through a list of try to go back and what my perceptions were of like people compared to Reese. Um, like I liked Andrew Hendricks more than Reese uh, come out of high school. So that that would be probably one that was most off in a bad way or good way. I'm not sure which that's bad or good. Um, guy that was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, pro- like this will sound weird, but like Everett Golson, like even though the arc of his career was all over the place, like it's kind of like what I thought it was going to be. Um, like good, but not great. Could throw it all over the place, pretty inconsistent. Um, so that that's probably one that was like a little bit more like in line with what I thought it was mm-hmm. gonna be. I would agree with you, Tim, about Wimbush. I mean, it's it's difficult, you know, the whole the whole process of quarterbacks reading defenses. I mean, you know, I we don't, I mean, we have access to a to a lot of film, but not everything that you need to know yeah. with regard to that. And he just he could not get it. He couldn't see it. And I, I just didn't expect that. I mean, 
everybody loves Brandon Wimbush, the kid and the well, athlete. And he's a winner. He won plenty of games. For yeah, him. yeah, he's yeah. No player. doubt. No yeah. doubt. And, you know, I, I just, I thought he would be better. Uh, I didn't think Demetrius Jones was going to, to be a difference maker in Notre Dame. And he wasn't, I thought Dane Christ would be better, uh, but he didn't, he didn't handle a lot of the complexities and the pressures, um, you know, that come from, from a game of high scrutiny. Now, I'm different from you, Tim, in that, I mean, I don't re- really remember having any great expectations for Kaiser in 2015 is really good. I know there was a drop-off after that, but I didn't, I, you know, I thought his first year as a starter when he came in for, uh, for Malik Zaire that, uh, wow, I didn't expect him to necessarily no, be that once good. Once I saw him in college, I didn't expect that, but I'm just going by. Right. Right. And, and Malik who, uh, I mean, you, you gotta love Malik Zaire, the, the personality and the person and the bright light that, uh, that Malik is, but I didn't, I, I was adamant that I didn't think he was going to be accurate enough to be effective on collegiate level. I realized that his career was derailed by, by the injury, but I don't think that that was going to, I, st- I still think that he was going to struggle accuracy wise. Um, you know, had he, had he not suffered that injury and remained as a starting quarterback. And Dane Christ, I think, uh, I don't think he would, <clears throat> excuse me, have been a great quarterback at Notre Dame um, under Charlie Weiss and the Michael Floyd golden Tate. Kyle Rudolph type teams, but he would have been better off than being matched with BK. That was yeah. a bad match. Right. Um, yeah. And they didn't really also go to his strengths. And it was it was a tough situation for him coming off. Knee ex- I mean, he had an ACL and a patellar. I like he had two bad knees. Um right. that's right. that's yeah. tough. That puts you in a tough spot. And I, you know, I mean, did we expect Ian Book to be a significant record holder at Notre Dame? I, I don't I didn't. No, no, uh, no. You know, but he did a great job. You liked with, him, right? I mean, you thought. Yeah. He, no. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Was, absolutely. And I think we look at these things a little bit differently. It's like most Notre Dame fans, they don't like Tommy Reese, the quarterback. And, and I get that. But I look at it as like, man, that's a dude that maximized his abilities because he he wasn't very talented athletic wise. Oh, yeah. I have said for a long time, if you want to be mad at Tommy Reese for quarterbacking all those games, be mad at the quarterbacks that he beat out and the coaches that were recruiting other quarterbacks. I, I love that. I've heard you've said that many times before, and I love that statement because that's I think that's how we in the profession tend to look at it as opposed to a fan of just you either love the way the guy plays or you don't love the way the guy it's plays. the John Ryan rule. Like, it yeah. wasn't John yeah. Ryan's fault he was playing. Right, exactly. Exactly. 800 snaps. Yeah, and everybody else. Right. Question from the Irish Rover. Do you think Notre Dame's offense will look more like the 2017 rush heavy attack or will they attempt to air it out more despite limited numbers and experience at wide receiver? I don't think it'll look like 2017 because that was just such a you got to remember McGlinchey was a grown man and Nelson was a grown beast. <laughs> and I mean, and no, they all they were just so many men on that team and and Wimbush was an amazing runner. Um, it, I don't. I don't expect it to look like that. Um, I think Tommy Reese just goes with a much more varied approach than that. Um, I don't think they can ground and pound you like that team could. I just think they have a much improved offensive line and a lot of talents in their backfield. That team couldn't throw. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this team will be better in the past game. But if you said, what is it going to be more like one or the other, it's going to be more like 17 than it is some wide open pass first off. Yeah. And I, and I think, 
I mean, this is totally somewhere in between of yes. these, these are yeah. two extremes yeah. presented to us by Irish Rover. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be because Tommy Reese wants to throw the football. There's no doubt he wants to throw the football. And I thought it was interesting. I did uh, first rate wide receivers, tight ends yesterday. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Of course, all that stuff is, is subjective, but I have Notre Dame fourth. Well, they do have a tight end that you're high they on. Do, no, there's no doubt that the tight end probably raises them a couple notches. But my point being that if you look at Notre Dame's opponents, and I realize that in a game, it's not wide receiver, your wide receivers versus our wide receiver right, kind right. of thing. But, you know, this, this uh, the commentary on Notre Dame's wide receivers, and I'm just, just the starters because we think Lindsay's going to have a, a good year, a step-up year. We expect Davis, or at least I do, to be healthy, and Styles is on his way, and you have, you have Mayer, um, you know, as a great tight end. But, um, you know, not everybody, USC's got a ridiculous amount of talent now with all the transfers, and Ohio State's Ohio State with Smith uh, and, and Jigba at the, at the front of that. They don't, they don't have a lot of proven talent beyond him at wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you, no, might, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Marvin, gotta, Marvin Harrison's kid is pretty good. I think. Yeah, no, he's, he's going to emerge this year. There's, there's no doubt, but my point being that, um, when you put Notre Dame's frontline pass catchers out there, the top four, they're pretty darn good compared to what's on Notre Dame's schedule. I like this next question from volley cheer on high. What are three things you could hear this summer that would give you confidence going into the fall that Notre Dame is in a better place than you thought? Pete, go ahead. Uh, Tobias Merriweather is the offensive equivalent of Jaden Mickey. That would be one. Um, oh man, beyond that, you don't see don't, any great needs just, like, like no, Merriweather. No, they just there has to be some kind of not just surprise at receiver, like revelation. Um, right. Transformative to borrow a term from two. Yeah, years. transformative. Um, that would be fine. Uh, but I don't think that there's anything else. I don't know. Maybe they got a Jonathan Dora return for a seventh year. I, I don't know what else is going to like jump out and be like, okay, that's something that is going to change how I view the season. Tim, you what do you have on that? Well, along with wide receiver, we all feel and any any of them. It could be. I mean, we say Merriweather because we don't we haven't not seen a flaw yet. But if somebody said that. Ian Colsey had a transformative summer. You'd be all in for that too. It's just, that, yeah. that would be yeah. huge. That would be massive. Yeah. Um, I, I, outside of Buckner, I mean, Buckner is the most obvious. Like you guys, if, if, if we talk to Tommy Reese or Marcus Freeman and, and interview or not interview, you know, maybe after an interview and they say, no, yeah. And you should, Tyler Buckner is really, really on point now. Like he, he has improved so much in this, this, and this. That's the number one thing, right? I mean, he, if Tyler Buckner is a top 20 national quarterback, I, I keep bringing this up because he wasn't listed in Lindy's, which is we all can point out. You don't have to be listed in Lindy's because he hasn't done anything yet. But if he, if you leave the season, you're like, man, that guy, that was one of the best breakout seasons I've seen since. Clause would be too good <laughs> since Deshaun Kaiser in 2015. Okay. And that that yeah. would be, I think that would be huge. Yeah. Now the question is what can happen this summer? And so you would have to hear that Buckner is really on point. Yes. yes. You know, in July. Yeah. I looked at I, I, Merriweather. I wrote down because I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the hope and expectation that the Nordic football office has now uh, with him. But I wrote down um, NIL because I think that, you know, 
information about how Notre Dame is handling NIL is, is coming painfully slowly out of, out of Notre Dame. And I think that yeah, the unofficial in, stuff comes out, the official stuff that we could verify it does not. Right. But I hard. think that you're going to see Notre Dame um, become, I don't know exactly. I want to say competitive, uh, but they're not going to come uh, be competitive to by SEC standards of stipends for players. But I think ultimately Notre Dame is going to have that addressed in addition to other NIL opportunities presented to them. And so when I look at like a summer question that and the question is, you know, Notre Dame being in a better place than you thought, I think there's the general opinion out there. Well, what's Notre Dame doing with NIL? They're falling behind. What are they doing? I think that they're going to be okay there and bridge the gap and have a solid plan that they're just, you know, I don't think Jack Swarbrick wants to sit down and say, Hey, here's our plan for NIL for everybody to hear and see. And it's a fair question in that we all like Notre Dame at most spots, if not love other than wide receiver and depth at wide receiver. You know, it's not like you need to hear that Bo Bauer is having a good summer. Huge Bo Bauer will probably have a very good summer. There's plenty of quality players. We'll have to see Ramon Henderson in September rather than have somebody say, oh, Ramon Henderson is definitely going to start. Whatever. He's going against guys that definitely should not start. So that that wouldn't be a big deal, I think. This one from Dutter 25. Would a college World Series championship be enough to keep Link Jarrett at Notre Dame? It, it would it would probably be more reason for Link Jarrett to go to his alma mater because he would have com- yeah I mean he would have completed the mission very quickly um, at Notre Dame. I, I we've said this many times. I mean Jarrett's from Jared is from uh, he's from Tallahassee. His wife's from Tallahassee. His parents are still in Tallahassee. He plays a four year starter for them. This is near and dear to him. There's a couple things. One. I think he's come to really appreciate the Notre Dame student athlete and what a special group of guys those are. And two, he probably felt slighted when Florida State gave the job to Mike Martin Jr. Uh, when when Mike Martin Sr. stepped down. But Mike Martin Jr. has been his friend for a life for a lifetime. So and he's going to Florida State. I mean, I, yeah, he's I, going to Florida State. I did have. Mike Rooney, the former Notre Dame baseball player um, who does a bunch of stuff with college uh, baseball coverage. I had a chance to talk to him yesterday and he said, you know, the situation in Florida state's not ideal. And it's, it's not, I mean, they need facility upgrades, at least by Florida state standards. And they're not playing the softball field because that's one of the nicest fields I've ever seen that we walked on the way to the football. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, but it's, I, you know, I mean, that was just, two baseball guys kicking stuff around. He's going to go to Florida state. I, I don't know what else to say. I'll say 95%. I'll leave 5% wiggle room, but right. 95% he's going to go to Florida state win or lose or whatever happens the rest of the college world series. I talked to my friend that his name has been on our podcast before, but he, he went to high school with Link Jarrett and college with Link Jarrett and played baseball with Link Jarrett in high school. And this guy started for Florida state in the secondary as a freshman while Link Jarrett was starting as a freshman at Florida state. And he was out visiting his old friend in Omaha, and I have a feeling Link Jarrett is going to go to see his old friend, where he also lives in Tallahassee again. So, Yeah, and again, last thing on that, (laughs) one of my favorite stats, Link Jarrett is the all-time NCAA holder for shortstops in assists with 802. 
That is a good stat. That's an 802 sounds absurd to me. He's, I know, but he started from game one and he holds the NCAA record for all time assists by a shortstop. And as a former shortstop, I get a little bit more appreciation for That's that. That's like Pete's favorite stat with Joe Burrow. How many touchdown six, passes in one year? 60. 60 in one year. Not a career stat, a season stat. <laughs> Where would 60 be on the Notre yeah. Dame all time career? Right. It's absurd. And it's just like, ridiculous. will Notre Dame air it out more? Well, I don't know. They're not throwing 60 touchdown passes well, this and year. It, and it was 15 games, so it was exactly four yeah. per game, which yeah. is ridiculous. Question from Wilmus One Other than the Ohio State game, which game should we, which game should Notre Dame be most worried about this year and why? The last one, because they always should be if that team's any good at all. And Notre Dame's going trying to go to a playoff game. And you can ask anyone Tim's age or anyone else. That's a horrible situation, man. Going out there with USC's eight and three and Notre Dame's 10 and one trying to go to the playoffs. If Mm. if USC's (laughs) 10 and one and Notre Dame's eight and three. (laughs) Well, then you have to worry about that game that much. (laughs) It's fine. Just. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't care about it that much. Maybe I'm looking at this question different. I would actually go with BYU because I feel like that is sort of a either it's going to have a chance for the season to really get on a good track towards Clemson. Essentially, you have two months of really good engagement. What do we always talk about, or I talk about like a good season is when the college football playoff rankings come out and Notre Dame is part of the discussion for sure. You have to beat BYU to do that. Obviously, that's a good point. And I think that. It's a game where, like, that's a team that can beat you, but it's a team that Brian Kelly would have always won that game. Um, and it's a chance for Marcus Freeman to sort of show himself as, like, all right, we when Notre Dame has more talent than the opponent, not in a partial New Mexico Bowling Green sense of the word, but like when you have an advantage, you figure out how to take, how you make it work for you to win the game. Um, and that that's that's kind of one of those tricky games that Brian and- Kelly always win. So Marcus Freeman now has to win. Yeah, I think that's a good point, a good perspective, because you you presume that that uh, Ohio State comes out on top on September 3rd. And so yes. you don't want to be eliminated from playoff conversation that early in the season. But USC is, you know, first of all, let me just say about BYU, I'm not, I'm just really getting started on the the first rate stuff and, and, and studying opponents, but they've won 21 games in the last two years. And I think they're still good. And they have a quarterback that's a trigger man. And so that's going to be difficult, but USC with the additions, the transfers, I, you know, the perception of what USC is in the fans, in the minds of Notre Dame fans, you're going to have to change it because it is not the same USC team yeah. that you haven't beaten in how many hundreds, thousands of days that I keep seeing on Twitter. This is not going to be Clay Helton's USC team by my any stretch point, of the imagination. My main point for that is I expect Notre Dame to be very good and for the to be worried. If Notre Dame's eight and three, I'm not worried about any game going in because eight and three and eight and four is eight and three and eight and four. Right. But it that will be on the heels of November that includes Clemson, a trip out east, Boston College, which is not going to be an easy game at home on senior day, and then a trip out west. And Notre Dame was way better than USC in 2018 and it took four quarters to beat them and they were way better than USC in 2012 and it took four quarters to beat them and I just think it's not an easy if USC is viable and playing the role of spoiler that's a very hard game to play yeah if if you want to see how USC has changed one let me just choose wide receiver and go to yesterday's first rate story on wide receivers and tight ends on Irish Illustrated because it will you will see that they brought in so much receiver talent that it's 
It's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> Some, someone's uh, going to hit is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> right. Finally, USC has some receivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have. And, and the interesting thing is that even if they just brought back their top three receivers from last year, it's still they brought back not, the Drake. There'd be problems. No, yeah, they don't. They don't yeah. have the. They don't have the Drake. But the other, the other, you know, two, three, and four receivers coming back are pretty decent. So anyway, interesting question from Elk Hunting, and that is this: break up the position groups by these categories: playoff caliber, New Year's Eve bowl, top twenty-five, and then just Power Five. <laughs> I I didn't read the Power Five part until now. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, just you know, run of the mill. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, let's let's go through this uh, quickly and let's start with quarterback. Top twenty-five. Yeah, we have no idea. You can't go higher than that right now. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Running back. Top twenty-five. Top twenty-five. No, Kyron Williams would be playoff caliber with this with any of the three backups on the team. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd say capable of New Year's Eve bowl. Certainly, uh, but remember wh- we're doing preseason. Right, wide receiver. Power five. Yeah, because one guy gets hurt and it doesn't, it falls out of the top 25. Three starters they, is not the same as six man rotation. They barely have five receivers. It has to be right. power five. Yeah. Uh, I would still put them in top 25. Yeah. If the, I mean, if the frontline guys are healthy, all right, wide receivers, tight end. Let's do wide receivers, tight ends instead. Okay. Uh, New Year's Eve bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mayor okay. is like, I mean, yeah. it counts. You throw him the ball. He, it is he's, the way to do it. <laughs> Mayor is better than playoff caliber. Like his category is not even listed in this question. Yeah. 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 If Buckner can, if Buckner can be accurate. uh, We just made five accurate. So yeah. Mayor's going to, Mayor's going to catch 85 passes. Offensive line. (laughs) Um, New Year's Eve bowl. New Year's Eve bowl. New Year's Eve bowl trending with the possibility of trending to playoff level. Next year's new next year's line when they're older would be playoff caliber. Yeah. Uh, thanks for throwing that in, Tim. I left out offensive line, defensive line. I think the same New Year's Eve bowl. And by New Year's Eve bowl, I'm I'm that's New Year's Six bowl to me. Like that's yes. sort of how I'm viewing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are too. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't. I okay. I yeah. don't know if it was written that way, but I should have. Yeah. I should have typed not, in New Year's Six, not playoff level, but Jan- like a January one bowl, like New Year's Six. I agree, but I could go higher. Um, the 2018 line, though, when like with that was a playoff caliber line, like yeah. Tillery, Kareem, Aquara. This might three. be. Yeah, this I think it's. Well tr- I think it's trending towards. I think it's trending caliber. that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably well, more likely to say that the D line is is playoff caliber than the O line for sure for me because of the depth I, and you can roll people in and out of there and. I'm changing playoff caliber yeah. for the D line. Yeah, that's, okay, that's I agree with what you guys are saying there. Linebacker. Is there a category just below New Year's Six Bowl? Because they are. I like the linebackers, though. I'll say New, yeah. Year's, New Year's Six Bowl. Those guys uh, are great. have players. I'll go New Year's. I think I think New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, like the Cotton Bowl New Year's Six Bowl, right? Kind of that range. Yeah. Defensive <laughs> backfield. Yeah. Defensive backfield. Top 25. I think top 25. Top 25. Uh, and hopefully what what we think is trending yeah. to a higher level than that. And then kicker. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I just think they'll be better than some fans think they'll be. But 
when you say New Year's Six Bowl, let's say so they're rematching Ohio State. You want to throw Clarence Lewis and the rest of the guys out there against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl again? Because that's not what I'm looking for. for no, this. I'm anticipating Jaden Mickey playing a significant right. role. Ryan Barnes playing a significant role at that point if it comes to that. And then kicker and punter. I mean, it could what be about it, could, it could be it could it could be power five level. Uh, but you get you have a veteran kicker and you know you've got a you've got a punter that's uh, I mean, experienced as well. There, so their kicker a was a group kicker. of five kicker yeah, last yeah, year. Six kicker, whatever it is. And their punter so you're say, was, so you made, was in the Ivy League. So <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of hard to go higher than it's hard, yeah. it's hard to be power five. That's true. Yeah, but I if you make to, if to you make twelve out of fourteen, thing, then playoff levels. Notre Dame's defensive line. That's a playoff level line. It doesn't mean you're going to win the playoff game against the best <laughs> offensive line you've ever played with them. But right. that is that is your yeah, least. They had a playoff level defensive line in 2018. Clemson unfortunately had a, a entire defensive line of Michael Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Question from Frank 1957. How are the injured Notre Dame players progressing? Will Logan's Logan Diggs be ready for Ohio State? Let me throw out some injured names. Jared Patterson, Joe Wilkins, of course, Logan Diggs, Eli Raritan, incoming freshman, Jason Adam Alola, Cam Hart. Am I forgetting anybody there? No. I mean, Hart made it back for spring. That's a good sign that he was allowed to not not be contacted, but accidental contact. He would he was deemed fine, right? You're cleared for some stuff there. Patterson, you've only heard good things about in terms of his recovery. Um, the concern for me is like, like Logan Diggs and Joe Wilkins. I, That's I going to be really difficult. I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't Joe Wilkins anywhere near Ohio State. I, so Logan Diggs at time of surgery like right after the spring game, I was told October, like it was a long haul to yeah. come back. So yeah. unless something has changed and I have not heard that it has, um, yeah. Ohio state is real. Like, I don't, I don't even know if that's like a target. Yeah, I don't think so. Jason Amalola, I think will be fine. Cam Hart, Eli Raritan has, has been doing stuff in the weight room. We've talked yeah. about this on Avery several Davis podcasts. Is the other. Avery Davis is the other. I, 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 I realize that the timetable doesn't necessarily indicate it, but I think he's going to be okay from the outset. I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and Pete, I don't know if you've heard anything more su heard substantive any than that, but yeah. But uh, I thought the way he was moving around in the spring clearly indicated that, you know, again, he's an athlete. He's, he's not a, he's not a 280 pound, you know, defensive lineman. So question from pink robots. Chris Tyree or Micah Bell in the 40? I'll take Chris Tyree in the 96 because I've seen him do it in pads. Yeah. Tyree until proven otherwise. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. This is a guess. I think Bell. I'm Bell's Bell's film was like, oh my God. Uh, yeah. And I realize that Tyree's Tyree the same way. So in the fast 96. On that kick return against Wake Forest, I mean, against Wisconsin, he looked so fast. That he did accelerating when he had to too it was like oh there's someone kind of coming see you later tyree <laughs> in high school at the opening won fastest man twice like in consecutive years so unless micah bell is also the fastest player in high school football two years i'm going with tyree i think he might be i think he might be all right but let's put it this way both really fast <laughs> I like, uh, I like when you ask Tyree about something like this too. And he's an understated dude. Anyway, he's kind of fun yeah. to talk to <laughs> like, you know, who's the fastest player. Who's the next fast player. He's like, I don't know. Are you the fastest? 
Yeah. Like, like, what are you asking me? <laughs> stupid question. I can't see behind me. <laughs> I can't see behind. Me. I don't know who's second fastest. Yeah. <laughs> is Tyree faster than that quarterback whose name escapes me from Jacksonville High School? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're right. That guy was moving though. Question from Denver Maximus: Who will have a better final year, Braden Lindsey or Houston Griffith? Both came in with high expectations and both have underachieved this point. And which one does Notre Dame need to have a better year? Braden Lindsey and Braden Lindsey. Completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame has what looks to be like some really developing depth at safety. And Notre Dame also has what looks to be undeveloping talent at a wide receiver beyond the frontline guys, uh, at least based upon the spring or, or maybe not undeveloping, but coming along slowly like young players to come along. Yeah. They need, they need Braden Lindsay. Uh, and I think it will be Braden Lindsay question from Gavin. You Blake Wesley draft prediction. And by the way, the NBA draft is on Thursday. I, uh, so at the athletic, we've got a lot of NBA draft stuff, whether it's like Seth Davis or Sam Amick, like, and I, I have, I don't read it religiously, um, but I've checked out a couple of them. John Hollinger does some stuff for us too. Blake Wesley is like borderline, like back the lottery now, which like when he made the decision to leave, I think we're like, Oh, second round, like, you know, end of the first, maybe like, that guy has had a incredible last couple months. Um, so, you know, you're, you're talking like early teens. I'll go late teens, Timberwolves. Do you have some, Oddly specific. Yeah. some connection with the Timberwolves yeah. that makes you want we that all to know, happen? We or? all know a Notre Dame writer that has a connection with the Timberwolves. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, from the standpoint of his stock going up over the last couple months about all the things that you're mentioning, Pete, you know, that he's gone through that part. I'm not surprised because, you know, he's going to blow people away with his athleticism. I mean, you put him in a what in essence is a camp setting and he's going to be brilliant. The The issue is watch him watch footage of times of him playing at Notre Dame, especially especially in post regular season. And it was, it was erratic, but the NBA doesn't, they're, they're looking at measurables and yeah. athleticism and what can be with development. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, that, that he has risen like that. Uh, I still think that there's some hesitation because NBA teams, although they appreciate all that stuff, they realize that it's going to take a while before he's developed as a, as a consistent decision maker on the basketball court. So I, I would thought, say, what'd you say? Early teens, uh, late teens, I'll say mid teens. Yeah. Like 13, 14. Yeah. Like, but I, I guess I'm surprised. Like I get it. They're just, it's a measurable, like it's a combine yeah. setting, but if, if he was better finishing at the rim, in college, I would get it. Like, I, I can understand, like, his shot will come along, um, but we love the defense, and he's a really good finisher at the rim. And, right, he's not a good finisher at no. the rim. So, like, I don't – I guess you can improve in that, but that that would that was one thing I, I was surprised that NBA teams are like, we're going to overlook that. Because I was like, wait a minute. you Like, either you're good at that or you're not. Um, so that that's interesting to me that I can understand overlooking the shot. I can – I'm more, I'm a little more confused about the finishing part of it. 
I think that's a great, I think those are all great points. Um, rarely do you see an athlete of that caliber be a poor finisher. I mean, I just, yeah. can you think of somebody like that, Tim? That No, but as you mentioned during the couple of those games, like just a year in the weight room will probably help him do that. You know, it's, he, he can yeah, get it, up. It's I, a, I love, it's I, a I, balance. I, it's a, it's a control yeah. of your body issue. I, and, uh, I, and I, I guess I with strength that comes, I'm sorry. I go do ahead. find it weird that nobody on the team, I know this, I made this point before no one on the team voted Blake Wesley, the best dunker at Notre Dame. Isn't that, isn't he, doesn't that seem strange that he yes. can't get up and be the best dunker at Notre Dame? Well, he has great acceleration, but not yeah. necessarily a 40 inch vertical. Right. Right. But that helps. Yeah, it does. J.R. JR Konesny is the guy that everybody yeah. said, and he, yeah, I mean, you can tell, you can tell when you see Konesny at a, you know, in a practice setting or like a pregame setting, you can tell he can really get above the rim, but I, that's why Wesley is really is an interesting prospect. And, you know, I hope for the best for him. He's gambling. He gambled on himself. And uh, he's put himself in a, in a good situation. Well, if he I gets just think drafted it's, and the teens are higher, he gambled and won because that's the money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, no, you're right. Abs- absolutely. Um, yeah, gar- the, the guaranteed money is, right. yeah, no no doubt about it. But I think it's going to be a while before he's a regular contributor, you know, especially the later in the draft that he goes. If you're go- if he's going to a better team, I, I know draft uh, picks are traded and stuff, but, you know, that's going to make it difficult. But all the best to him. Um And we're going to wrap up with a question from PA Irish five with father's day yesterday. And the question is with it being father's day on Sunday, what is your favorite dad related sports memory, either with you and your kids or you and your dad? Mine is easy for, uh, and Notre Dame football fans are going to like this one. Uh, I was at the 88 Miami game and the 88 national championship game with my dad. So easily the Miami game and then going out to the festival uh for that game as well i think that was my first flight which kind of makes me mad at my kids because they've had like 25 flights and i was <laughs> you're a good 14, dad i was 14 or 15 and i was God. taking my first flight right there wow. <laughs> this, that conversation happens in my house a lot too. yeah <laughs> yeah uh with my kids it is definitely the first time charlotte played softball she then later on i'm talking and never picked up a softball made the all-star team and we coached it and we won our first tournament and to see eight-year-old girls all know that they won with a final out like you know as opposed to like oh did we win or who won like stuff right, like that right. like there were 10 girls on the field where we got the final out and including the outfield they all came <clears throat> sprinting in dogpiled knowing they won so i was like that is the best recognition you will ever see out of eight-year-olds in anything <laughs> usually like you can win or lose 10 to one and i'll still have girls ask me did we win like are you serious am i what am i doing out here <laughs> but they they all knew they won that that's awesome uh for me i remember going to uh tigers games in like the old tiger stadium like this is a lou whitaker alan trammell tigers nice. um and also going to see the world cup when it was in the united states i think it was like I can't remember if it was 94 or 96. Um, I think it was 94. They played a game at the Silverdome. I think it was like U.S., Switzerland. It was just awesome um, to see that. With For my own kids, it's like anytime you're coaching your own kids, like that is, that is the best natural drug uh, out there for parents uh, if you have the right perspective on it. Um, yes, yes. Which yeah, leads so into like, my story. Yeah, so like Tate... <laughs> 
he caught a game-winning touchdown in flag football that I was coaching. That was awesome. Um, coach basketball for him last year. Uh, I was very excited to get a new because I'm coaching like in more of a lead role this winter, and I got like the like, the grease board yesterday. Um, nice. So I'm planning ahead. Um, but that stuff's awesome. And I, I mentioned this to like Notre Dame coaches that I've talked to. It's like when you coach kids and they have success, especially when they're on your own, like, I'm just like, dude, I get it. Like this is, it is so much fun to do. So that all, that all kind of runs together. Yeah. My memories of, uh, you know, my, my, my brother was probably a, a bigger influence on me developing as an athlete than my dad, but my dad was at every single game other than when I got to Notre Dame and we did road trips. And so that, that, that was always meaningful along with my mom, of course, but uh, for better or for worse, my son played baseball for me in high school. And as you can imagine, I know you two guys can, I was tough on my son as he was growing up as a baseball <laughs> player. So it, 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 it wasn't always peaches and cream, but um he is senior year. He hit 423 and was all conference and and put it all together. And I remember um, we were in the sectionals. We we went to the sectional finals eight out of nine years, and we played well in seven out of eight of those sectional finals. One of them, when the one that we didn't play well was my son's senior year, and we were down by a lot, a, a touchdown, I think, going into the last inning. And he was coming up to bat for the last time, and and. Um, that's when that's when you realize that everything that you did and all the tough times weren't really that important. Um, you know, it was about the relationship and and him developing and and so I took the time before the game ended, stopped the game, and walked down the third base line and just told him how much I loved him and how awesome he was. So um Fortunately, the whole, when you add it all up, it was a good situation between him and me, but boy, there were some rocky times. <laughs> let me tell you. And he can tell you about them too. Like we appreciate was, you like joining us. Six years old and you're screaming, turn your glove like I do or something along those lines. <laughs> we, uh, you can tell that, that, I mean, just talking about that makes me emotional. It was a, it was a awesome experience, but uh, anyway, we're going to be back next week. I don't think it's going to be on Monday because O'Malley and I have a sit down with a Notre Dame head football coach on Monday. So we may have to alter that, but we will let you know in advance uh, on irishillustrated.com when we will be conducting next week's uh, uh, Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.